0: Hello guys, thanks so much for listening to a Not The Top 20 podcast. I am Ali Maxwell and on the line, not next to me, but on the line is my good friend and co-host. It's George Ellick, George, live from South Africa. You've been there for what seems like a few months now. George, I hope you're having a very restful break.
1: Oh, I am actually lying in bed as we do this. Um, I mean, it it is 10 to 3, so I'm lying kind of on top of the bed. Um, in our in our guest house. But uh, yeah, I know it feels like we've been here for a long time and still got another seven nights. So, you know, all very exciting.
0: Yeah, very exciting. Very jealous. I was able to have a bit of time off over the weekend as well. Uh Took in some of the sights of Paris, of course, a city that I know very well and thankfully was able to keep across <laughs> what was happening in the FA Cup, in Leagues 1 and 2. I know that you've been in my opinion, two across things. Um, You've been breaking news to me while you've been in South Africa. You've also been tweeting far too much. And I think for the sake of your lovely girlfriend, you should try and ease off. But at least... There's a lot of
1: travelling, mate. A lot of (laughs) travelling. And these days, it's only £5 a day for your data pass. Really? Which uh, I can't remember. It does add up. But um, I'm happy to... (laughs) Happy to pay the £5 a day to make sure I'm uh, I'm tweeting.
0: Yeah, well, you've been doing a fair amount of that. Some Oxford talking points and some wider talking points. We're going to get into as much as we can over the next half an hour or so. Uh, we're going to start with the FA Cup because what a third round for us to be abroad for. I mean, just an incredible list of results. I'll just read out some of the big EFL news from the FA Cup third round and we can start sifting through it. Oldham beating Fulham at Craven Cottage. Newport beating Leicester. What a day Sunday was in that regard. Gillingham of League One beating Premier League opposition in Cardiff. Uh, and of course, you can't just have a go at the teams that didn't beat Premier League teams because they didn't play against them. There were other big wins and, and fourth round places for Doncaster, for Portsmouth, for Wimbledon and Accrington, all of League One. Uh, and of course, Barnett beating Sheffield United. Not an EFL club, but, you know, close to our hearts after a few seasons, in it? Um, (laughs) And and, and certainly not looking like they'll be back up anytime soon, but very much in the fourth round of the Cup. Uh, Which one of those would you have as your sort of headline result, the biggest upset, the most impressive uh, performance and and win? Uh,
1: I mean, I I know they're not a Premier League team, but I think Barnett going to Bramall Lane and uh, and beating Sheffield United was pretty incredible and kind of going 1-0 up early on. And, and maintaining that, I think Oldham coming back from behind, um, obviously under new management as well, at Craven Cottage was pretty special. And uh, and for Newport to to bounce back, for, you know, we've all been there. Well, anyone who supports a team uh, who spend a lot of time in League One and League Two has, has been there when you're you're leading against a team or you're holding a team, and then only for that inevitable late goal to come, and then to go back to the other end and then get a winner um, was quite something. So uh, so it, it's hard to choose between those Sunday ones. But the interesting thing for me kind of reading from afar, I guess, is that the media rhetoric on Saturday afternoon seemed to be the magic of the FA Cup has gone. And then the next day we have three massive upsets. And suddenly I'm reading last night people saying, how do we incentivize the FA Cup more to make big teams take it more seriously? <laughs> it just seems incredible that, that you know it goes one way and people criticize it, then we get the upsets and people criticize it for the other reason. Um, it happens every yeah.
0: year though, doesn't it? I mean it is the most you can set your watch by it and I find the whole thing quite tedious. It's a great
1: competition and
0: who cares? The, I think these ideas that the, the cups become devalued
1: because weaker teams are put out by, by clubs, it doesn't matter. I mean, as an Oxford fan who's seen in recent years us, us beat some weakened teams, you know, Swansea and Newcastle spring to mind both at the Sam Stadium. Um, I didn't care who was playing for them. It was it was superb.
0: And I mean, what we've seen, I guess, with the defeats of Fulham and Leicester and Cardiff from Oldham, Newport and Gillingham, respectively. And again, I, I desperately try and avoid just going uh, going too serious every time the FA Cup third round comes along and trying to look into it too much. Of course, it, it it's just it is what it is. But in terms of those games and and how even they were, I mean, and and I suppose Barnet at Sheffield United as well. When these bigger teams play their fringe players, uh, what we're seeing now is that despite uh, um, still having the edge in terms of quality, clearly, and and um, and all that sort of stuff, what we're seeing now is that teams in League One and League Two, um, their first teams who are match fit and understanding the system that they're playing in, they're now more than capable of taking the game to a fringe side from the Premier League uh, and in Sheffield United's case from the Championship. Players who, on paper, it still looks like a massive mismatch, even if it's one team's first 11 playing against the, the reserves. And and that was something that I definitely took away. I mean, all of the teams that, that caused an upset and some of them who didn't make it, they all just played fantastically well. And I think that speaks to the, the improvement of the teams in these leagues. And we've often spoken about it and, it and it happens slowly over time. But even just since we've been doing the podcast, I think in the three years that we've been doing it, the, the quality and the diversity of the systems that these League One and League Two teams specifically can play um, is hugely welcome. And, and it's, a, it's a warning to to any team, really, who thinks, well, this is a great chance to give the, uh, the fringe players some game time. Because as we're seeing, these guys, for whatever reason, they're not motivated. They don't think of it, well, I can't speak for all of them. It doesn't seem like a lot of these fringe players of Premier League teams see this as a chance to break into the first team. And maybe it isn't, to be honest. But that's the rhetoric that the managers always come out with. And more often than not, it seems like they they just don't turn up.
1: Well, And they can definitely damage their chances as well. You mean, you look at what Chris Wilder said about his Sheffield United team after the game, saying that he couldn't see any of them breaking into the first team. And given that, you know, Kieran Dowell's just joined the club and played centre midfield, um, you've got to be pretty concerned if you're him because he started the game. Um, And a couple of the teams as well, I mean, on on the line of what you're talking about, Blackpool um, obviously went down to to Arsenal. But in terms of the the actual play itself, performed admirably. I think Jay Spearing completed something like the third or fourth most passes of anyone on the pitch. And the same can be said of Reading at Old Trafford, who I think, from what I read, again, I only saw snippets of the game. Uh, Manchester United had less possession in that game than they've had in any other one of Ole Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's games, which just shows that it's not the one-sided... you know, exhibition game that you maybe would expect.
0: Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. It's, uh, yeah, it's great. And it's one of the reasons why we keep banging the drum for EFL teams uh, and, uh, and we'll continue to do so. Cannot wait for the fourth round draw. I did just want to, to double down on what we said, because aside from the, the big upsets, the ones that led match of the day and, uh, on, on both days, which is fantastic to see, um, but Doncaster winning away at Preston, Pom- Pompey winning away at Norwich, Um, Wimbledon getting a a great win uh, against Fleetwood and and, you know there's another discussion about whether these cup runs can be a distraction for league form and whether that's a problem or not but uh, for Wimbledon I think and for Wally Downs it'll just be fantastic to be winning games in whichever competition and Accrington who made fairly light work of Ipswich from the sound of things so really fantastic we've got loads of representation in the fourth round draw we will be uh, back in the country for that for sure and uh, and very much across it um, uh, what I should say is as well, we've spoken uh, there about how competitive teams can be. Uh, we did have a couple of seven-nil reverses, uh, <laughs> Rotherham against uh, Man City, and of course Tranmere against Spurs on, on Friday night. And I don't think there's any shame in that, and perhaps it speaks to the fact that these teams aren't just setting up to to try and uh, to try and nick a nil replay. Maybe those teams are a bit too open there, or maybe. Just the quality was too good. I think uh, there's a few sort of things we can go into a bit further off the back of this. Uh, one of them is Sheffield United. Because uh, on this podcast, we're going to just rattle through a few topics. We're going to talk about some of the games in League One League Two. We're going to talk about some transfer news and some manager news. So if, if you'll let me just guide us into various different avenues, different corridors, um, let's go to Sheffield United. You mentioned Kieran Dowell there, uh, who's coming on loan from Everton. A lot of excitement around uh, around his Loan signing and and just something a bit different. He offers that threat from the edge of the box, from long range with his left foot. Probably play in the in the number ten role. Could play in central midfield in games they expect to dominate. Um, but they also signed Gary Medine uh, on loan. I believe it is from Cardiff. Of course, Medine part of the Bolton side uh, in the first half of last season got the move to Cardiff. Never really broke into that side, truly, uh, and certainly wasn't going to in the Premier League. And we expected to see him back down in the Championship. But did we expect to see him at Sheffield United? I would suggest maybe not. You've got some fairly strong views on this transfer.
1: Yeah, I mean, as as I tweeted, it's just got Chris Wilder written all over it. And as I I replied to someone who asked what I meant, um, firstly, you know, Chris Wilder is is a huge fan of the January transfer window. I do always wonder if he was a manager back in the days where there was no window would every would every month just see a carousel of players coming in and out of, of the club he manages um, because no matter how his team are doing um, there's always going to be four or five coming in usually forwards um, at Northampton when they got that promotion from League 2 it worked very very well um, it didn't work so well uh, at his time at Oxford where he brought in a lot of players for, for the conference promotion season none of which had, I think started the game the, the playoff final despite um, playing for a fair few games in a bit of a slump afterwards and he did the same as well last, uh, two seasons ago in Sheffield United's uh, promotion campaign um, to middling effect, I would say. The likes of Samuel Carrados and James Hansen provided some injection, but I, I don't think it really made a difference to their season. Um, the other side of it is Wilder's absolute love to show people uh, who's boss. And, and as I said to someone, I, I, have a, I have a more than a feeling that if Gary Medine uh, didn't used to play for Sheffield Wednesday... Hadn't scored some pretty important goals against Sheffield United. Um, then I don't think he'd be at the club. Um, I think it, it's his his history is probably part of the earlier to Chris Wilder where he's basically saying to the footballing world and the Sheffield United fans that he doesn't really care um, if there's any animosity because he's the boss and he'll bring in who he likes. Um, which you know is is a fair message. It's not a criticism. Um, I think it's pretty impossible to criticize Chris Wilder at the moment, despite the one nil defeat to Barnet. But um, yeah, anyone who's who's had a joy. Um, and I use Joy as a, uh, no, I mean, in fairness, he brought, he's brought out of your club, he's managed Joy. So if anyone's had the joy of, of supporting a Chris Wilder team, um, I think they would have had a wry smile on their face, recognising a bit of a pattern when it comes to, to Chris Wilder and his
0: signings. I'd like a penny for the thoughts of Billy Sharp. Is that how that phrase works? I don't think I would get the penny for that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I'd like to hear Billy Sharp's thoughts famously Gary Medin um, filmed on a night out uh, on Snapchat a, a couple of years ago I think calling sharper a, a fat little pig or some words to that effect uh, and that didn't go down very well at the time it's what you're alluding to there Medine and his history with the Sheffield United fans on a footballing level though I mean I, I know what you mean and he's clearly uh, he's clearly not going to go straight into the side because McGoldrick and Sharp's form has been ridiculous. I think they've both scored in, in Sheffield United's last three home games, uh, three league games rather. But if we're talking about a team who certainly in the last few weeks has put more pressure on the top two again and is looking to at least cement a playoff place, which they couldn't do last season, Medine as an option uh, for a side that gets a lot of crosses in from their wing backs as well. Uh, to me, it, it seems like a really good signing.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. Um, I've said it before. Um, I don't think he's ever going to score you bundles of goals, but his ability in the air um, is, is pretty unparalleled at that level. He, I mean, he, he's barely played football f- for a year now, um, which isn't, isn't ideal um, regular first-team football. And I don't think he's going to get the opportunity to get regular minutes or regular starts, which Sheffield United either. Um, as I said to you, I, I'd be surprised if he played more than three or four, if he started more than three or four league games. I'd be surprised if he scores more than one or two goals. Um, the likes of Connor Washington and Leon Clark are probably feeling a little bit um, put out by the fact that the two players, you know, especially Washington, who, who are trying to knock on the door, and, and you know, both have had decent spells this season, um, and now you know they're, they're now two of, of five strikers, all competing for, for for a starting spot. I mean, that's five senior strikers they've got now in a in a system where they're only really going to play two. Although I know that they played. Um, you know they they have played Leon Clark uh, as well as McGoldrick and Sharp. It just seems like it, it, it's stockpiling. He does offer something different, um, but I, I I'd be I mean, as a fan of, of Gary Medine's. I would be surprised if we're looking back um, at this signing as being the one that secured promotion to the Premier League for, for Sheffield United.
0: A couple of other tangents from the FA Cup stuff. Um, if Cardiff are looking for a target man uh, to replace. Gary Medine, they saw Tom Eves in full flow on the weekend uh, and and he played a big role in that uh, upset at Priestfield I'm being slightly flippant of course but Eves proving time and time again that uh, while as we've said he is not um, on his game 100% of the time but when he is uh, he can cause any defense problems and it's not just his size and his hold-up play as well but he's got good feet he's he's Got half-decent pace for a big man as well, and a really, really impressive assist for Car- uh, for Gillingham's winning goal. Shane Ferguson, I wanted to give a shout-out to. Millwall beating Harl at home was certainly not one of the eye-catching results of the round, but... Uh, Ferguson scored two fantastic goals one curled in from the edge of the box after taking a corner that was played back to him he ran across the box and curled it in and then scored a free kick as well so certainly the sort of underrated player of the round and what a wonder of a left foot he has and and done very well to to stay part of this Millwall team I think there are a lot of people that thought he was the the sort of player who might start being eased out by Neil Harris but uh, he's battling to keep his place Newport County um last year they beat leads in the third round of course they they took spurs to a replay as well so uh, under michael flynn just building this this unbelievable relationship with the fa cup and and uh, fa cup ties and big games and big results at rodney parade uh, including in his first half season when he kept them up on final day they seem to be a bit of a regularity now and just to touch on oldham uh, the winning goal scored by callum lang uh, we're going to talk more about Lone ease and how they are really dominating this transfer window so far but lang on loan from Wigan, a fantastic young player who did it last season at Maul, uh, Morecambe, is doing it this season with Oldham. They were terrified about losing him, but he, he has committed for the rest of the season. Wigan have allowed Oldham to keep him. The Latics lending their player to the Latics for the full season, and he scored the winner. It's a fantastic player and a massive boon for Oldham. But Sam Surridge is a really interesting case, isn't he? George, another on loan striker. It does look like he will play or has played his last game for Fulham. And I know that he's someone you'd love to see pulling on uh, the yellow of Oxford.
1: Yeah, he is. Interestingly, as as we've been talking, um, and the Oxford Mail have run a story about Kai Robinson being at the game yesterday to watch him, where, um, you know, Robinson has, in, in football manager terms, has, has definitely declared his interest by saying he's a player they'd love to bring in. So no secrets there. But amazingly, uh, when asked if Oxford would have a striker in for tomorrow night's um, Checker Trade Trophy game, he came out with this line. So try and translate this. We know we're not going to play tomorrow night without anybody. <laughs> what? what does that mean? Um, so yeah, I don't envy David Pritchard, the uh, Oxford Vale reporter for having to decipher um, that nugget from Carl Robinson. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a fantastic player. He's someone who I think Oldham fans have really taken to. in his spell there, I mean, you would do for a player who scored 12 goals in, in 20-odd games. Um no, he's a, he's a proper target man leads the line well um can hold the ball up and can can score goals as well um yeah i'd have no doubt that that he would be an upgrade on on a certain jamie mackey who's having to do it on his own at the moment um but there seems to be competition um for for, for him as well with with i think bradford fans pretty convinced that they're in the driving seat but also um portsmouth as well being linked although if i was um in charge of of, of the loneies going out of bournemouth um i wouldn't really want to send a striker who's got regular minutes to to a team, even though they're playing so well, to a team who've got two class acts already in the squad. Because you'd have to assume that he'd have to do incredible things to to usurp Hawkins and Pittman, unless I guess one of them is is on the way out.
0: There's another quirk about Oldham at the moment is is that their caretaker manager is Pete Wild. Pete Wild is the academy manager. He Did a fantastic job. Uh, at very short notice on Match of the Day last night uh, in the studio. Really impressive uh, and and has been very impressive ever since um, the change of manager, ever since he's been called in to, to caretake. And uh, he's not going to be their permanent manager. He's made that fairly clear. What is interesting is how um, how little anyone seems to know about what the owner, Abdallah Lendzagem, is thinking and where he's he's looking. And it's been quite an entertaining next manager market uh, at the moment, well, still, it's clear that that it's not clear. Uh, Pete Wild is is the favourite that I'm <laughs> seeing. Uh, he has said that he won't be taking the game. He wants to be. The remember, manager.
1: remember the remember the ten game rule. Yeah, it's important that yeah, so yeah, if for he manages sure. ten games, then, then punters get paid out.
0: Fair enough. Well, the uh, that's a good point. The other. Uh, candidates at the moment: John Askey, of course, recently of uh, Shrewsbury, and, and previously Macclesfield. Paul Scholes is the is the third favourite at the moment, and Peter Clark, who who's their centre back, uh, is the fourth favourite. And then you get into the really long odds, including Jacques Santini at twenty to one. It was a very exciting Saturday evening. A couple of, uh, or maybe it was it was one of the one of the Christmas period weeks where it was rumoured that Jacques Santini was at. Boundary Park watching Oldham, I think, later proved to be not the case. But um, Oldham, an interesting team to keep an an eye on at the moment and very much heading into the hat for the fourth round. So uh, let's move on to to League One now. Uh, There were three games and we're going to talk first about Scunthorpe because literally since you've been away, they've played three league games and they've won all three. Now, uh, this is one of those ones where if you had had your phone off for the whole time, uh, you would have turned it back on and, and presumably been fairly bamboozled about that fact.
1: Yes. I mean, it's one of those, again, where clubs cannot <laughs> maintain runs as bad as Conthorpe's for too long. So there was always going to come to an end. And, you know, they, they but having said that, I mean, I, I was pretty scathing about them um, before I went away. Um, I, I couldn't really see how they were going to turn it around given the performances on show, both at the back and going forward. But they seem to have Improve both basically at the same time, uh, con- conceding far fewer goals and chances and putting the ball in the back of the net. Uh, I by no means think that out of the woods at all, um, despite a really good re- result against Coventry at home, which was, I think, so important uh, when you're coming out of a run like that. You need to really make a statement that, that you're not just having a couple of lucky wins. You are actually on, on the right track. Um, credit to the club for standing by uh, uh, Stuart McCall, because I think a lot of other clubs probably would have pulled the trigger given... Um, the poor uh, results, despite the fact I think it'd be pretty hard to blame them for it. um, having not seen much of their action since it's hard to say more than that really. but um
0: yeah, I mean the, yeah, the, other, be... the other big thing is that they've they've obviously stuck by McCall and they've certainly backed him in the transfer market. Um, <clears throat> Scunthorpe so far, uh, where are we the seventh of January today? They've signed Kevin von Vae, who of course was their former player before he moved down to league two with Northampton. Uh, Tony McMahon uh, an Oxford. Uh, signing from Oxford, the right back, Adam Hamill, who spent the first half of the season at St Mirren, but knows the level very well and has had a good first half of the year at St Mirren in a struggling team and two centre-backs. This could be crucial, I think, for Scunthorpe uh, going forward. Byron Webster on loan from Millwall and Harrison Magahi from Rochdale. Rochdale, uh, another interesting team we'll touch on in a second, have lost two of their key players already in January. Uh, in a month where they have conceded, or rather in their last three games, they've conceded 13 goals and scored none. So there's there's plenty to worry about when it comes to Rochdale. Uh, and perhaps they will be one of the teams that falls into this relegation battle because there seem to be quite a few teams in it who, who aren't just rolling over, who aren't folding, but, but actually starting to pick up some points. Bristol Rovers, another team. Interestingly, with Scunthorpe, uh, and credit to their chairman, Uh, He's taken a leaf out of the Sunderland owner's book and uh, went on the Iron Brew podcast. It was very open, very honest. I think that went down very, very well. That sort of openness from an owner, we know and we've spoken about it before. Of course, the fans enjoy that. And of course, the fans respect that. And of course... It's a good thing to do, uh, as long as as long as you've got, you know, uh, as long as you've got some sense to say the right things. Um, and he's done that. What's interesting is that Scunthorpe, over the last few years, of course, they've been towards the top of League One. They've been challenging in the playoffs the last few seasons, and they've always had uh, a, a wage bill uh, really quite elevated, quite high compared to their revenue, compared to the money that they bring into the club. I think the suggestion was that over the summer, um, it, it was more or less a case of. The wage bill kind of needs to drop um, because, it, it, you know, whether it was unsustainable, whether it was just too high, I'm not exactly sure. So it's now interesting to see that the threat of relegation to League Two, which surely they didn't think was on the cards after a playoff um, appearance, is now such that, that well, to the naked eye with five signings in, in the first week of January, um, it's very much, you know, we'll do whatever we can to stay in this division. So. That'll be an interesting one to which,
1: watch. Which, which is incredibly dangerous as well, because you know, if you if you if you spend all that money and then suddenly you, you do get relegated, then it's going to be pretty tough to a clear the deadwood and, and b be you know a sustainable League Two team, given that you're making signings that are that are high end for League One level.
0: Yeah, yeah, plenty of teams who can uh, who can give them first-hand knowledge, first-hand experience of that. Uh, Mention Rochdale there. I don't think there's too much to add than the pure facts: uh, Cannon to Portsmouth, Magahi to scunthorpe Uh, they've lost four nil four nil and five nil um not in that order but in their last few games including a couple of home defeats in there the the latest to burton who played them off the park but i think this is very much a case of while we do want to give some credit to burton and we wish them all the best this week against man city um this is a case of being really concerned for rochdale Uh, and just george in terms of the wider league one relegation picture i mean it's just they should be terrified, shouldn't they, in 18th? You, you can speak as someone whose team is very much in the relegation zone. It uh, seems like there's a lot of teams in there who are, who are picking up.
1: Well, that's exactly right. I mean, that's the, the huge issue is that when I mean, we've mentioned Scunthorpe, I mean, Bradford um, are a team who, who are, you have to say now in a fourth position. I mean, the, the turnaround has been absolutely incredible, but I mean, there's no way that the 21st um, best team or the fourth worst team, I should say, in League One on the current form, not a chance. So you'd have to have a pretty confident um, shout that they're going to pull away from it fairly quickly. Uh, Bristol Rovers on the march as well, since sacking Daryl Clark, which not many of us saw. That's one I'd probably be less worried about. um, And I think that we're going to talk about that in a sec, about what it means in terms of the managerial um, change there. Uh, Plymouth picking up a win at home against Oxford, winning 3-0 is going to boost their confidence. It's it's so open. And again, I'm still looking up towards... Um, Walsall, um, even Wickham, who are on thirty-two points, who are just five points clear of it, and you've got to think that they're they're well amongst it
0: at the moment. And pretty much every team in there is either feeling good with a new manager, um, feel like they're one or two signings away, like your, like yourself in Oxford and probably Plymouth as well, maybe Wimbledon, like they're one or two signings away from from lifting up the table, and uh, and ultimately there's still four slots up for grabs. So that that is going to be a really Um, terrifying really but fascinating thing for us to track over the next few months the second half of the season Charlton drew with Sunderland uh, towards the top end Charlton are now fourth Uh, Barnsley uh, one point behind them have two games in hand and and Sunderland are in third they're four points ahead of Charlton with two games in hand and just the one game in hand now over Luton who are one point above them uh, and Portsmouth who are six points above them this was a very even game and I think um, nothing necessarily new to say about Sunderland. They, they started the game fantastically the first half hour. They looked really, really good, but certainly I think it's fair to say that Charlton had the better chances to win the game, having levelled early in the second half. So again, the question is, um, how, uh, how are Sunderland not able at the moment to put together a, a whole game's worth of, of, a, of a top, top performance? Um, And will that change uh, as we have, uh, what is it, five months still, four months left of the season? Um, So, uh, as I've said, not much to add there. What there is with regards to Sunderland uh, is an update on the Josh Madger contract situation. And you have to say that that should be quite key to the rest of their season. He's still a player. I I believe there are some Sunderland fans that um, still have some question marks about him. But the goals speak for themselves. Uh, But it's not all good news. His contract's up in the summer. Uh, of course, they wanted to get one signed. Stuart Donald, uh, many people would have seen this over the weekend, but Stuart Donald essentially saying that having heard from the manager, Jack Ross, that Josh Major sought him out specifically to tell him he did want to sign his contract. Uh, the next day, he got a call from Sky, uh, who had been told that he won't sign. Uh, and Essentially, the suggestion is that his agent has decided that Madger should not sign for Sunderland and then told Sky rather than tell the club. So a bit of a messy situation, not at all what they what they need, and really, it's and also over-
1: worth worth maybe pointing out that one of the new, um, you know, one of the Sunderland board members made his uh, made his career in PR. So there's probably, you know, there's no way that they're going to let Josh Madger go and, and suggest that it was um, that it was Josh Mager's decision to not sign the contract. That's all I'll say. It's worth taking all this with a pinch of salt. Is all I mean.
0: Yeah, of course, of course. Um, the, the from a footballing point of view, it's an issue. Charlie Wyke is back from injury. Uh, I think that generally. Uh, Sunderland fans are still quite positive about Wyke and I'm certainly not knocking him as a player. I have said from the start that if Wyke's arrival back into the team were to come at the expense of magic I I personally wouldn't agree with that. Um, and of course, he's a fantastic target man uh, and a fantastic Um, Yeah, target for that attack. But if you're a team that has the technical quality, the technical advantage in every game that you play, really, uh, is that the way you want to go? Uh, I'm not so sure. But Charlton, let's talk about them. They had a fantastic second half. When they get it forward to Taylor, Grant and Fosu, who's sort of playing in the hole, uh, just deadly, just terrifying, really. Um, I've got a a mate who's a Charlton fan, and I I just wanted to ask you this. I've sort of always considered them in the fourth, fifth, sixth, realm and therefore I I suppose when I was speaking to him I I just sort of said to him well uh, I guess you're getting ready for a for a playoff push and just getting ready for that over the next 20 games Uh, he said no absolutely not he's feeling very bullish about this Charlton side feels like generally they've they've got a lot more to give so I guess my question to you is do you think there's any chance that Charlton could uh, stage a a bit of an assault on the automatics and make this a a five six five seven five horse race
1: it's, it's not out of the question, is it? I, I still am I'm fairly um, comfortable in my assessment that Portsmouth and, and Luton are, are, are quite clearly the two best teams in the league. Um, I, I think a huge game for Charlton's coming up this weekend. I mean, they'll be, it, it may sound bizarre to say it, but they should be uh, hoping that that, that, that Sunderland can, can beat Luton, which would A, prevent, stop Luton's unbelievable run. Um, right in its tracks and, and bring them right back into it. Despite the fact that, you know, Sunderland would be, would be getting, gaining ground on the top two, they've got to approach it as being chasing those top two down and any help that Sunderland can give them would be great. I mean, they've seen last weekend that, that Sunderland are a team that they shouldn't be afraid of. Um, as you mentioned, I think that Sunderland shaded the first half and Charlton had definitely had chances to win it late on. Um, so, I mean, personally, I would be, I think, Keeping hold of key players is going to be huge. Um, it would be a massive surprise to see um, the either the, the key strikers Grant or Taylor leave um, in January. But with the ownership issues, you never really know. Um, you'd have to assume that if, if the new owners do come in fairly soon, then then uh, they'll be pretty keen to keep hold of their their star men early on uh, to to not risk the wrath of of Charlton fans. So.
0: I mean, I've, we, we've choice. both heard a few murmurings, haven't we, in the last few days, that yeah. a, a, an ownership an ownership change could be close. Um, which would be which would be fascinating. Which would be interesting to see how that would transform the club off the field and see how much that would bleed onto it. Um, it I mean, as f- the footballing side of the club, as clubs go in a situation like they have between the owners and the fans. I mean, I can't think of many people apart from, funnily enough, Gary Bowyer at Blackpool. Uh, many people who have managed to do as as good a job as Lebo, yeah, uh, and Johnny Jackson have done at Charlton to keep everything Definitely. on the straight and narrow on the pitch.
1: Absolutely, I mean they've got a great squad. Yeah, um, they have got a, a squad that was assembled very well last season. They they have undoubtedly um, improved uh, the performances of that squad since Carl Robinson left. Um, you know, just over a year ago, uh, with that push into the playoffs, the Wembley final. And now um, they look like one of set to be one of the top teams in the league. So, I mean, they've done a fantastic job, no doubt about it.
0: Uh, a word on Bristol Rovers, Graham Coughlin uh, appointed manager after Daryl Clark left a few weeks ago. Uh, was that was there anything? Have you got any? Uh, I suppose concerns or surprises about it. It's one of those ones where. Given the run that they've been on since he's been in, in caretaker charge, I think they lost to Sunderland away. Since then, three wins and a draw. They they couldn't, in my eyes, really make any other decision. That doesn't necessarily mean it's for the best.
1: Yeah, I mean that's exactly what I think. Um, I, as a fan, I'd always be pretty wary of a of a caretaker's good run leading to the permanent job if they didn't think he was a man for the job. When when uh, they sat down, with Clark, I don't really see what's changed. There can be so many different reasons for a good run of form, including just just even if he's a popular good manager like Daryl Clark, just him leaving just could enable players to play um, with freedom. I mean, a perfect example at the moment at Manchester United. Um, I do not think anyone for a second thinks Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is, is going to suddenly be a world-class manager. If they do, then I think they should um, maybe take a breath. And it's a similar thing with this. We've seen it time and time again. Managers coming in as caretakers after a good spell and charge. And then slowly you realise that actually... They don't lack. They don't have the qualities or the experience to make it a good long-term investment. So, I'd be. I mean, the the main difference here, the one exception to the rule, is, is probably the man that you interviewed a couple of weeks ago, Paul Heckingbottom. But except for that, um, it's pretty rare to see guys like you know Steve Lovell and the like. That they don't go on necessarily to be top managers because there's a reason why they weren't in the job in the first place. Unless maybe they're they are investments um, when they're first taken on. So I'd be amazed if he was still Bristol City, Bristol Rovers manager in a year or so. And and that has to mean there'll be disappointment along the way.
0: Moving down to League Two, there's another really interesting managerial situation. John Sheridan leaving Carlisle, resigning as Carlisle manager. Um, At the time they'd won five in a row, Carlisle beating Mansfield on the weekend, a team that hadn't lost for months uh, to make it six wins in a row, Carlisle now only a point behind third place Berry. Uh, we've called them the most uh, confusing team in the EFL at a few different points this season, and uh, I guess this just sort of sums it up. We, we were lucky to have uh, a Carlisle fan who, whose finger clearly very much on the pulse. Uh, send us a really good summary of the situation and um, in our our DMs. That's what the DMs are open for, guys. So any inside info we absolutely love. Uh, So do keep that coming. Um, He just thought he'd clear up the Sheridan situation, basically saying that he's a very demanding manager at John Sheridan. It hasn't always gone down that well. Uh, There's been a lot of confrontation with players, and, and we've mentioned... The captain Danny Granger and and Jamie Devitt, such key players for this Carlisle side, essentially since Granger's been back from injury. uh, They've barely lost a game. They've won almost all of them. And Devitt always uh, racking up the assists and goals as well. So senior pros, key pros, he's been clashing with them uh, on the pitch uh, and having these heated discussions at times this season. Um, and and in front of fans, things that fans have seen as well. This came to a head on Boxing Day. You might have seen this. He came out after their 6-0 win and said, well, if players don't like my style, I don't care. They can leave, or maybe I'll leave. I think we all took it with a pinch of salt, especially when they kept winning. But essentially, it's, it's come to a head now. I think there's been an issue with... Um, loan players as always of course as we're seeing across the EFL Jerry Yates has been such a key man for them on loan from Rotherham he has gone back there Ashley Naddison back to Fleetwood it looks like Jack Sowerby scored on the weekend as well he he could be sort of under threat as well of, of, of going back to his parent club so it's a desperate time in that sense and and, and the, I, I suppose the theory is that there's not really much financial power to, to bring them back to reverse that. Uh, this was a club we were told were basically cost-cutting over the summer, trying to um, cut some of their playing budget. So um, it, it's a really unfortunate one for the fans because they're losing some of their best players who have fired them to the playoff places. And they've lost their manager as well, John Sheridan, who you have to give so much credit to. And he's off to Chesterfield at the bottom of of the National League. So it's it's pretty remarkable stuff. I don't know if there's much more analysis we can give necessarily because it's just a bizarre situation and one that we need to sort of keep an eye on. Um, We don't know who they'll go with next. Uh, The current two of Tommy Wright and Paul Murray, uh, they know the EFL, they might steady the ship. Are they the ones that can really establish them as a playoff side and, and head into the playoffs, possibly beyond? I don't know, to be honest, but... Um, I think there's a frustration from fans, certainly, that the board, uh, I guess, almost lucked into this side with Sheridan and with loan players. Um, And now at this crucial stage of the season, things might be about to go wrong, uh, which would be such a shame after an amazing few months. There's also, and this is uh, quite, uh, well, it's humorous to us, maybe not for Carlisle fans. It's possible that Jerry Yates, who scored five goals in December, might win Player of the Month for December in League Two. And John Sheridan might win manager of the month for December in League Two, both of them now not at the club. Uh, if they do win those awards, they won't even be there. So that would be uh, quite something. And and the situation is just bizarre.
1: John Sheridan's never really struck me as a particularly ambitious manager. He seems to flit from um, kind of similar clubs to similar clubs fairly often. And I think for him, um, I, I guess he's probably um, being paid a similar salary to what he was on at Carlisle, probably more given the fact he's jumped ship. He's joining a massive club at their lowest ebb. Um, I say massive in, in you know relative relative terms, I guess. But you no, know, a big club for that level. And to be honest, it can't get much worse. And it's it's a fairly cushy job where there's no real expectation this season beyond just just staying up. And then next season he can have a go at one better. So I think for him, um, it shows a, a bit of a crippling lack of ambition. But at the same time, yeah, it's, it's not the worst job to go into.
0: Berry in third. Uh, they leapfrog Mansfield after that loss. Mansfield do have two games in hand. Carlisle in the mix as well at the moment. Uh, in terms of of Berry, uh, a welcome away win. Again, we've said it before. It's that away form that has slightly undermined them. Just on Carlisle, just wanted to point out that their third goal on the weekend was beautiful, and and Jamie Devitt just continues to be an absolute assist king. Um, regarding the the opponents for Berry, which which was Yeovil, that's Another home defeat for them. They've played in their last 10 games, just five points, five draws and five defeats. Uh, One win in 18 now. Attendance is dwindling. All not well, as we know. Um, They've got a chant uh, uh, for Darren Way, which just asks him to walk away. So, I mean, personally, I don't see that necessarily making the situation much better. But you can certainly see where they're coming from. Good wins for Crawley and Cambridge. Home wins, which are important. Both of the, that those teams, away form is so bad. But their home form can keep them away from the relegation zone. And a, a fantastic late win for Swindon at Stevenage. Um, anything else? Yeah, a cut, one more bit of manager news and then just a, a couple of quick-fire transfer things. Uh, Steve Bruce will join Sheffield Wednesday on the 1st of March. Um, when he gets back from holiday When he gets back from... The England tour of the Caribbean, of the West Indies. <laughs> Very jealous about that. Um, your thoughts, please, George. What do you think about this appointment?
1: Um, it's pretty hard to get too excited about it. Um, it's interesting to see how much they've improved since, since Lehukaya left. Um, so there's obviously something to work with there. I'm sure he will make them. Um, he, he will, you know, just keep, at least keep the decent run going to secure to, to mid-table mediocrity this season. Um, but if i was a Sheffield Wednesday fan. I'd be hoping for a more progressive appointment than than Steve Bruce, um, especially given his Sheffield United links as well. It's not ideal.
0: Well, we know that they're in a situation... uh, Well, we know, we think they're in a situation where there will have to be further uh, slashing of the budget, the playing budget, uh, in order to comply with FFP regulations over the next year or so. Um, it, It doesn't instantly... I mean, who does instantly fit that bill? I'm not sure, but when you think about some of the stuff that marred his time at villa which was this sort of ambiguity over the transfer budget and the and whether he, you know whether his signings had been good or bad and how much uh, leeway he actually had to sign players he would say not very much uh, others would disagree but in terms of Sheffield Wednesday the suggestion is they will certainly have to sell a lot before they can start to buy he doesn't scream uh, to me anyway to be the the best man necessarily for that uh, long term uh, so it's early on in the transfer window still, George, as I've tweeted, as I mentioned earlier, it seems to me while there has been some action over the weekend that the main theme of the early part of this window is regarding loanees, um, whether teams can hold on to their loanees, uh, whether they will or they won't. For too many teams, in my opinion, um, you know, for, for a lot of people, it seems that the second half of the season, their ambitions almost hinge on loan players and whether they might get recalled, which seems to me a, a, not an ideal situation to be in personally. Um, but uh, we've seen it with Tammy Abraham, who looks like he'll leave Villa uh, and 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 various others, uh, to be honest, Surridge leaving Oldham we've already touched on. But you can pretty much throw a dart at a map and find a team that's terrified about losing a loanee. Um One thing that has started to break over the last 12 hours or so is this remarkable story about Christian Deutsch and Forrest Green. So there's a few parts to this um christian Deutsch is, is back at forest green uh, i suppose we'll start there it's absolutely remarkable situation he, he joined bolton on deadline day i believe it was uh it was a loan with an obligation to buy or so we thought uh which we saw plenty of and we've seen all of those loans turn into buys over the last few days whether it be ollie norwood or, or various others uh, all good up to that point Uh, He's played something like 850 minutes in a Bolton shirt. He's been a part of their um, relegation battle to start the season, just the one league goal. Um, And and now, after a a statement from Dale Vince, it looks like he will be heading back to Forest Green. And basically, George, the whole thing reflects very, very badly from what we've seen on Bolton and on their chairman, Ken Anderson.
1: Yeah, it does. And and I think credit to Dale Vince for the statement he put out, because I, I can imagine now that Bolton are going to have serious issues in the transfer market, and, and understandably so. Who's going to want to deal with a club who have basically lied to a club, lied to a player? I mean, for Christian Doidge, this was a massive, massive move for him, the move that should have uh, changed his career. Um, his one league goal, you saw the reaction, uh, the late goal, he went absolutely bananas for him. This was you know, the, the dream move to, to catapult him into... Into another level of football, and he's now back at Forest Green. Um, his stock is, is is lower, undoubtedly, because um, you look at what's happened in the past half season. He couldn't get into a, into a struggling Bolton team, um, and he and he hasn't scored goals, despite the fact that he is, in my view, one of the best strikers in League Two. Um, it sounds, and I'm sure it will be the case, that like he is going to, um, you know, stay at Forest Green for the, rest of the season. They've got a chance of promotion, and we've said time and time again that um, they need a striker. <laughs> when we were saying, guess guess who it will be, I don't think either of us could have uh, pumped for, for Christian Doidge being the one to replace Christian Doidge. So, I mean, in a weird um,
0: way, Forest Green, certainly the fans, I don't know about the owner, because it was rumoured to be up, up to almost a million pounds, the transfer fee, but they're kind of thrilled in this bizarre situation.
1: But it sets such a dangerous precedent. I mean, the FA are going to have to act here to, to ensure that in future um, there's a, you know, you have to um agree something you know if there's a future for in, involved you cannot just at the end of the, the loan deal just re, you know just reject yeah. that um it's pretty annoying for for those like me who who back dodgy top league 2 goalscorer because um, <laughs> because I'm pretty sure he's about to score a hatful for the next uh, couple of months but um it's, yeah, yeah i mean it's they've terrible. also
0: signed um, Sean Mikulski as well forrest green who's a um, someone that we saw in league 2 in Newport uh, someone that we yeah. know can uh, be on the end of chances at this level so all of a sudden, Forest Green just uh, just leveled up, I think it's fair to say. You mentioned uh, the impact on Doidge, and I think that that is arguably the most important part of this. Um, uh, I've read that Doidge had uprooted his family and bought a property up near Bolton in order to, 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 to settle there and to focus on football for Bolton. So the whole thing really does leave a, a nasty taste in the mouth. In the Forest Green statement, I think the most important part really was uh, Dale Vince saying it became clear to us that Bolton entered into a contract to loan and then buy Christian last August without the means to honour it and perhaps the intention to do so as well. They haven't even paid his wages for the last four months. We have. Uh, Bolton, yeah. in reply, said nothing but we are disappointed to read the statement as the club has been in dialogue with Mr. Vince and Forest Green Rovers over the situation. So, you know, they've been in dialogue, mate. I don't know why everyone's getting so so wound up about it all. Um yeah, an interesting developing situation. One we will keep an eye on. We're not going to go too big on transfers because there's just so much going on at the moment. Preston have been busy. Um and I'm not sure that I think their their transfer business takes them necessarily to the next level, but that's something we can get into another time. George in the meantime, have a lovely time in sunny South Africa. We'll talk again Thanks, with a, a betting show later on in the week.
1: Yes, perfect. Speak then.